You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from Heritage Baptist Church in Corpus Christi, Texas, led by Pastor Johnny Chen. Our church is dedicated to serving Jesus Christ and reaching the world by going forward with the gospel. We pray that you will be helped and blessed by this message from God's Word. It's a joy to be here. It's such a joy to be here. Thank you. So I prayed for you and uh, prayed for you, Pastor. Of course, uh, I'm certainly glad to be here, and, and I hope that you understand how blessed you are to have them. Brother Jack, good to see you also, one of our missionaries. Brother Mark O and his family are here also. Some guys that, um, in fact, uh, raised him from a child. And uh, they weren't even born when you folks came. And uh, just a joy to see them here and their family. They grow so quick. And it's a wonderful thing when a preacher sticks around long enough to see some of the fruits of his labor. You were not, I don't think you were born at the time either. And uh, <clears throat> it's a joy, it really is. And thank you so much for being here. I, I've had some connection with Corpus, with um, Dr. Roloff and different ones, but, and preached here several times. But it's a joy to be back in your area. In fact, we have a place in Texas. We're Texans also, and uh, down on Toledo Bend. But anyway, we just uh, came up for today. It's good to have my wife also with me, Kim. And uh, it's, it's just a joy to be here. Book of Ruth, if you would, in your Bibles, the Book of Ruth. Um, I hope you'll pardon me. Uh, I'm not going to do a whole lot uh, on this COVID-19. I'll, I'll mention a few as I preach maybe this morning, but I'm not going to do. I, I'm tired of talking about it. How about y'all? Yes. Tired of talking about it, tired of hearing about it. And eight weeks ago, nine weeks ago, I was here in Texas, and uh, when they contacted me and uh, told me they were trying to shut down a Christian school, I got on the phone with the state's attorney and the sheriff, and uh, they told me they were not going to touch the church if I would shut my school down, which they lied. Now, I don't need amens to preach. I've been doing this too long, so that's okay, but uh, there's one, one thing about a politician when his mouth is moving, you know he's lying. <laughs> and so I just I have a problem when somebody tells me something, they'll stay with it. And so uh, I really had it out with my sheriff and my state attorney nine weeks ago. They lied to me. And, of course, if y'all been keeping up with Illinois, uh, we have the governor there that thinks he's God. He's actually richer than Donald Trump, so he feels he has that. It's amazing how money corrupts. And so <clears throat> he thinks that he can tell all of us what to do and shut down God and shut down the church. And then the lesbian mayor that the Chicago has uh, has said that we've got to do all this and appoint deputies so we can progress and uh, move in for the one world order. I mean, she said it, got on the phone if you want to hear it. I mean, so it's, 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 pretty, it's pretty in your face stuff. Mm -hmm. Now, I've, I've said enough about it, but we're in that situation. I know we're in Texas. I know we're in America. <laughs> I just came out of communist Illinois. So, I mean, I, I know I'm in America, but I don't care where you're at today. Yeah. We, we got a problem. Yeah. And look at me carefully, please. I don't want to blow you out, but we're not free. This thing has got us. And I'm not trying to depress you and all. I love y'all. I prayed for y'all. Pray for your pastor. But things have changed. And don't know if they'll ever go back. Just like 9-11, I was in Africa doing a safari at the time. 
And I knew then when I got back, things were going to be different. And it has. It's been different. Are y'all hearing me? So now when we go through TSA, when we, when we first went through, like, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Talk to me now. I mean, we've got to take everything off. And they pat me out. You know, it's a shame. When I go through the scanner, you know, they, they always got to pat me down. They think I'm carrying bombs or something. I said, it's my love handle. Leave them alone. <laughs> Do you mind touching? Yeah, I always mind when a man touches me. But anyway, I, so, <laughs> so anyway, but listen carefully now. But we hated that, right, when it first started? Now we're thanking them. Just think about it, how they're controlling us and then conditioning us to accept the new norm. You look at, and listen carefully, I'm a southern Cajun boy from Louisiana. My daddy was a professional boxer. I am a fighter. I don't like any of that stuff. I am a true blue American and a patriot, and I don't like all this stuff that they're taking from us, and they will continue to do this. This flight was the first time I flew since. Um, and um, we were treated much differently this time than before. But anyway, all that being said, I, th- I want to get it out so I can now teach it live, okay? But I feel for y'all. I feel for America. We need to pray for our country. We really do. Ruth, in your Bibles, please. Ruth, Brother Jay, thank you so much for the invite. Such a joy to be in this place. I was extremely excited when y'all voted on Brother Jay. And uh, our church prayed for him, and it's wonderful. Ruth chapter 1 in your Bibles, please. Ruth chapter 1. This is family day. We'll say a little bit about it on Sunday school, and then I'll preach on Sunday morning. Then I guess this afternoon I'll do a little bit on the family. Uh, I guess I preach on that subject more than any other subject that I've ever preached on through the Word of God. But I want to speak a little while on the family who left the will of God and suffered the consequences. There's something about the will of God that's very fragile. And there's something about the will of God that if you're not careful, you'll miss it. And then you'll have to do it in an alternate will of God. I am a raging Cajun from Louisiana. I thought that I'd never leave Louisiana. But the will of God for me was to leave and go to Bible college and did do that. I had never been north of the Mason-Dixon line, had never been to North Louisiana. I thought North Louisiana people were Yankees <laughs> and come to find out they are. But anyway, if, if, you take a, if you take a pencil and, and, and draw it through Baton Rouge, Louisiana, uh, everything south of that is like a, like a mission field, man. It's different, brother. I mean, down there, they eat every, anything that doesn't eat them first, amen. And so I was born and raised down there. And, but I'd never been north, uh, even north Louisiana. But anyway, um, but I wanted to do the will of God for my life. And then when I graduated from Bible college, I, um, I had an opportunity to go back to my home church and my home pastor, my parents, her parents, my first wife's parents. And I've been married multiple times. I'm a Mormon, actually. <laughs> but uh, my first wife died of cancer, of course, y'all know. And and um, so we, we were, had the opportunity, but yet there's a little bitty church, a little bitty church, struggling church, in, on the north side of the city. And uh, boy, you talk about, you talk about rip my heart out to, to think that I had to stay up in Yankeeville. We got Yankees here. Any Yankees here? Raise your hand. Do you understand? I'm sorry. I'm sorry for y'all. I'm sorry. Now, y'all may have won the war. The only one of y'all won the war. And I tell my folks often, I said, we, you know, 
they won the Civil War, but we ran out of corn cobs. And uh, they had guns. We had corn cobs, right? Shot my great-great-grandfather in the back. He said, why? He was running, you fool. That's why. But, but, uh, but uh, t- for me to stay up north was just absolutely a crazy thing. But it was the will of God. And I've been there, and it's funny. The will of God is something that when you commit to it and do it, God doesn't change his mind very often. I'm amazed at how confused the Holy Spirit is in some people's lives. Having come down the aisle, join the church, and all of a sudden, preacher gets on your case, and you've got to go across town and go join some other church. I guess the Holy Spirit's kind of confused, isn't he? I don't know if you know this, but our job description is preach on sin, right? Jack Ferguson's in the back. I won't go through his testimony. It's his private business, but all those many years ago, he came to me and told me, he said, you preach it straight. And I need to get straight, and he did. And God has used him a good way. And a missionary now all these years. Yep. There's something about the will of God. Staying in the will of God is so very important. And we have a story here that's so very important. You ought to remember this, that God didn't put black words on white pieces of paper. That's the very word of God. And it's there for our admonition. I want you to look at it, if you would please. Pick it up in verse 1. Now it came to pass, in the days when the judges ruled, that there was famine in the land. And a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. And the name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife, Naomi, and the name of his two sons, Malon and Chilion, Ephrathites from Bethlehem, Judah. And they came into the country of Moab and continued there. And Elimelech, Naomi, and his husband died, and she was left with her two sons, and they took them wives, the women of Moab. The name of one was Orpah, and the name of the other Ruth, and they dwelt there about ten years. Malon and Chilion died also, both of them, and the woman were left with her two sons, and, um, uh, and, her, and her, uh, the women uh, was left uh, of, her, of her two sons and her husband. And I want you to notice that story, and many of you have know the story and read down through the story, but there's always consequences of getting out of the will of God. Father, help us a little while in Sunday school now. May I get covered what needs to be covered in Jesus' name. And amen. First of all, I want you to notice the famine that was taking place. There was always some problem to come in a person's life when they decide to get out of the will of God. I want you to look in verse 1. There was a famine. Could I say this to you, that sometimes in your life, a famine's going to come. There's going to be a problem. There's going to be something that happens in your life that may throw you off kelter. But famine had come to Bethlehem, Judah. I want you to circle the word Bethlehem, Judah. Many of you know what I'm, where I'm going with this, and that's fine. But it's really called the house of bread and the house of God. Are you all with me now? So there was a famine in the land, and they had to go try to find food. So they left the house of bread to go find some bread. Doesn't make a whole lot of sense now, does it? But that's what happens many times when people get out of the will of God. This Jewish family left seeking food for themselves. Pick up it in verse 11, if you would. They, they said they're going to sojourn. Many of you know what that means. They were just going to take a little vacation, just go around and visit. They were going to sojourn. But pick it up in verse 12. You see it? They continued there. Do you see it? How long? Look at what it says in verse, uh, what was it, verse 4. Ten years. Folks, that ain't sojourning, that's moving in. Are you with me now? Sometimes when you get out of the will of God, you think you just, I'm not going to stay long. I'm going to just dip my toe in sin. I'm going to just do this for a little while, 
and everything will be all right. I'll back out of this. I, others, it's influenced others, but it will not influence me. I can do this. Everybody believes that until they do it and absolutely get buried in it. And so they thought they would just be there for a short while, and after they got there, got comfortable. They didn't, short, they didn't sojourn. They continued there for 10 long years. It's interesting to note that, of course, the Bethlehem, Bethlehem, the word Bethlehem means the house of bread. So we see a family leaving the place of blessings or the house of bread. And I want you to circle the word Moab. Do you see it? To go to Moab, a type of the backslide. backslide. The Bible talks about Egypt, does it not? Talk about Egypt, talk about Babylon, talk about Moab. When you study those words, it all has to do with backsliding, getting out of the will of God, etc., so anytime you see somebody going down, it's always going down to Egypt, going down to Moab, going down to Babylon. You always go down when you get out of the will of God and go to them places that are a picture of the world. And so I want you to see the, the famine. Then I want you to see the family, if you would please, in verse 2. And the band name was Elimelech. The name of his wife, Naomi, had two sons, Malon and Chilion. And they went to Moab. Men, look at me and listen carefully. The man should be the spiritual head of the home, should lead the family. When you get out of the will of God, there's always little foot patterns behind you. Not only a wife, but children. I've always been very conscious of that. There's times that God moves people. But as a rule, when he leads you somewhere, you just need to stay and stick it out and watch what happens. But more than that, when you get out of the will of God, there's always somebody following you, and they're going to pay the consequences. And so I want you to see that. Uh, verse 3 talks about Elimelech dying a backslider. There's one thing worse than backsliding is dying a backslider. Look up here and listen. Every one of us in this room, you can take your halos off. I, pray, I pastored Baptist Church for 38 years. I know who I'm looking at and know what I'm preaching to now. Just take your halos off right now. Every one of you have backslidden at some point in your life. But isn't that wonderful? We have an altar call where you can get it right. But to die in a backslidden condition. So, I mean, I backslid once. <laughs> I backslid at times, but man, I don't want to die a backslider. You know, some of you men, y'all understand what I'm talking about. You, you come to the age of your life where you've got to make decisions. You know, should I c carry on? Is it time to step down and, and uh, retire, whatever? And so you think about that, but you, you, the first thing you ought to really think about is the will of God and, and wanting to do that because you don't want to go and backslide and then die a backslider. Uh, and so we see here, I want you to look at it, please. He died. He ended up dying a backslider. And spiritually, spirit, in the spirit, spiritually depraved land of Moab, mom was left with two sons and that had followed dad out of the will of God. I want you to see the failure now, if you would, please. Not only the famine, the family, but the failure. Please listen to me carefully. The two sons were Jew boys, married two heathen women, Moabitess. Now, if that didn't bother you, it should bother you because Christian people ought to not be unequally yoked. And here these Jews married Gentiles, married Moabitish women. That should break your heart to think about that. But that's what happens when you get out of the will of God. I've done this 38 years. I've watched individuals walk out of the will of God and all of a sudden their family blows up and their children go to hell in a handbag and all of a sudden they end up marrying the wrong people. 
And it happens, and this happened right here. And I want you to notice that not only did it marry the failure in the marrying of, of these two heathen women, two Gentile women, uh, I want you to look at verse 4, or- Orpah and Ruth. Uh, they, you know, can you imagine marrying somebody and just shortly after they dying? She was then left with the two daughter-in-laws that were not hers, but her daughter-in-laws. So let's look at this story. Beautiful story in the Bible, by the way. I, I preached, I think, a year and two, a year and two, a year and four months from four chapters of the book of Ruth. And uh, squeeze all the juice out of that I possibly could. But in the Bible days, names mean something. My name, Keith, means man of the woods, which means that I'm more, much more comfortable in the woods. And trust me, I am. If you, if you go on our website and see our, our uh, college, you, you'll see that, that we have over 300 mounted animals in there. I even got the wife, a little city girl, my second wife here, a little city girl, never been in the woods in her life, and uh, took her in the woods, shot her a big turkey. You know, it's amazing. Fellas, I, I want to help you. And uh, I got more than just to teach you your Bible. I got to teach you something about life. Don't get your wife involved in any of your hobbies. You're going to be sorry. It's going to cost you. And so <laughs> I got her in the hunt. And I, I, so, so, man, she's got her, uh, I bought her some skivvies, some underarm skivvies, and then the ladies made her, made her culottes and some uh, camo skirts. And, and, uh, and then she, she went to Cabela's, and she's modeling sh- boots. I said, what are you doing? Uh, well, I, I got to look good. I said, animals don't care what you look like. This is not a fashion show. And so <laughs> she said, yeah, but you run that big camera. I want to look good. So. She shot a turkey when she did, and she saw some hunters. You know how they breathe. I've been a lot of those boys, my personal friends on TV, where they get to breathing hard. She said, what is that, a man thing? I said, no, it's an adrenaline dump. You'll understand. You'll understand when we do it. She goes, she shot that turkey, called in a big old turkey. She had a big gobbler. Married in January. She shot him in April. She started breathing heavy. I turned that big old camera on. I said, is this a woman thing? <laughs> she said, what's happened to me? I said, oh, man, I said, this is why we do what we do. And so uh, then I bought her a bow, and she absolutely, I've, I've been in archery for 30 years only, and she started drilling. I mean, she can drive a tack. So she started killing animals. She's killed. Now, we've been married 11 years. She's, been, she's killed. Help me, baby. She has killed um, 12, I think, 11 or 12 Pope and Young bucks with a bow and two with a gun, muzzleloader. She shot uh, a Roosevelt elk, Pope and Young. She shot two stags in New Zealand the other day. And she shot seven African animals in 11 years. Y'all didn't hear me what I said at first. Don't get your wife involved in your hobbies. Not only did, you ha- did I have to buy the camo, but I forgot that I have to mount her animals now. That's ex- I need a side. What I need is a good love offering is what I'm trying to say. But <laughs> we have a great time together. We really do. But we see that Bible, Bible names has meanings. I, I want you to look at Elimelech, please. And uh, you know that it means God is my king. So here's this man's name is God is my king. And yet he did not trust God through the famine. Of course, in that day, there was no king in Israel. Eli looked to king, the king of heaven. That's why they named him that. I don't want to go into Judges 20. Well, in fact, we will. Just look in uh, Judges, if you would, please, the last chapter right there, 21. Uh, pick it up in verse 25. Do you see it? 
In those days, there were no king in Israel. Every man did that which is right in his own eyes. Look at me carefully. Don't you know that's where we're living today? Don't you know we're living right there today? And so there were judges. But because of that, they named him Elimelech that, that he looked to the king of heaven. And so we understand that it's judges, Ruth, uh, is, of course, right after Judges, and it's amazing in numerology. I may get there, and I'll show you a little bit how that lays out. So this is a picture of every apostate time. God uh, had a few who stood true to their faith and to him. I want you to look at Naomi, if you please. Her name means pleasant one. This is a wonderful meaning. However, in her backslidden life of wandering, she renounced it and asked to be called Mara. Y'all know that, that term, which means bitter. I want you to see it, if you would, please, in verse 20. and See what she says. And she said, call me not Naomi, call me Mara. I have a whole sermon I preached on 10 years in Moab. Folks, listen, um, there's a lot of people I hadn't seen in 10 years. There's some of my big old football buddies. I went to LSU. My football buddies that I went to high school with and all, uh, we talk sometimes, and they, they're getting a hold of me for some reason. That's a 50 years. They're calling me now. I mean, we need to get together. I understand you got saved. I understand you're a pastor. I got saved. Or some just say, I just want to get back with you, and we do. And when I see them, they look similar. At least I know, I can know them by their face. Are you, are you with me now? And, and then they know me. But I want you to look at verse 20, please. You've got to really, really dwell on that. There's something about sin that will happen to you that will change even your appearance. When she came to the place where she was born and raised, Bethlehem, Judah, when she entered the, the city, they said, is this Naomi? It was announced, Naomi, 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 is this Naomi? Is this the one who went to church that we knew so well? Could 10 years of Moab do something to her face and her countenance that would make people question who she was? I don't know about you, but I don't want to go there. I live like a pagan heathen. For the first 20 years of my life, don't want to go back to Moab. Don't want to go there. It's amazing I'm standing here live going through some of the stuff I went through. And I'm certainly glad that I got saved by the grace of God way back then. Been living for him ever since. Ten years in the land of Moab brought her back bitter. Call me not Naomi, call me Mara. Look at Malon, if you would please. Very interesting. His name means sickly. You don't want to marry somebody that's about to die on you. <laughs> Unless you take life insurance on them, right? But... He, it means sickly. Both offsprings of Eli and Naomi, Elimelech and Naomi, were sickly. We'll see that in a minute. I believe the names, of course, their sons show spiritual decline in parents. Let me say that again so you, you'll get it. I believe that the names of both their sons show spiritual decline in the parents. It's like God understood and knew that this would happen. They began to backslide in Bethlehem, Judah, before they finally proved it by leaving and going to Moab. Listen carefully. You'll never do anything that your heart will not give you permission to do. So somewhere in Bethlehem, Judah, Elimelech and Naomi began to backslide to some degree. And they had these children, and God knew they were going to do that. 
Amen. The sovereignty of God. God knew they were going to do that. And so these boys were, of course, born sickly, a, a show of spiritual decline in the parents. Um, it's interesting that children always reap what the parents sow. Poor, poor choices are bad. I've often said it, and I really mean it, preacher, that choices have consequences. And poor choices among parents so very important because, again, you're bringing little ones with you. Um, I've been around to watch that play out time and time again. I will not go into it, but it's really amazing. When, when the spiritual head of the home hits the skids, so does the rest of the family. And, um, you know, uh, folks, I, I love you all and I pray for you. And I'm certainly glad that your pastor's here. You're wonderful folks. Being saved by the grace of God is one of the greatest things that could ever happen to a person. But there's more than just getting saved. You've got to live a life that's pleasing to our God. You'll stand before him one day, not before the preacher, but before him one day and give an answer. That's why the Bible says, and the books were open. Now, we understand we're in the book of life, but what are those other books? I personally believe you've got Keith Gomez at the top, and this is my will for your life. Let's see, did you? Did, I believe that. And I believe that those books is going to tell if I stayed in the will of God or not. Think about this, those who got out of the will. I could have got out of the will. One time I just wanted to leave, man. I mean, after a year of pastoring at a bunch of Yankees, they don't even talk right. right? They say you guys instead of y'all. What kind of deal is that? What, what kind of you Yankees? What would y'all say you guys? You're talking to girls. You guys. They're not guys. I don't know if anybody told you they're not guys. They're girls. Anyway, so I, I just couldn't understand the Yankees. They, they don't eat good stuff. They don't even season their food. They just boil it, throw it on the plate, and you eat it, right? Cajun season everything. Say amen right there. Little Tony's, little Tony seasoning, right? Am I right? Little Tony seasoning. I even put it on ice cream. I put it on the wife's neck, spicing up a little thing. But anyway, um, enough of that. This is family day, isn't it? But anyway, so, uh, but um, I, um, how did I get off on that? <laughs> how did I get off on that? I was, you want to quit. Do what? You want to quit. I want to quit. Should have. And uh, uh, boy, I get a phone call, folks. I turn around my chair. I'm overlooking the boulevard and tears running down my face. And I said, Lord, if you'll get me out of here, I'll leave tomorrow morning. I, they don't understand me. I don't understand them. I'm not a southern boy. I'm not a country boy. I'm a swamp boy. I said, this is, this is so strange. Everybody knows I'm a fish out of water. Tears flowing down my face, looking out the window. The phone started ringing. Now, most preachers would have said, the will of God. This is what I said when the phone was ringing. That's my ticket out, and that's the devil. See, the devil heard me complaining. I wasn't, I wasn't praying and asking God. Thing. I was complaining. And I turned around and answered that phone. It was Dr. Frederick from Santa Maria, Louisiana. 45 minutes from my mom and dad. 45 minutes from her mom and dad. 45 minutes from my home church. And said, Preacher, you're the only man in America that can that can pastor these Cajuns, you must come. Now think about that for a minute. I just tears running down my face saying, dear God, if you get them out of here tomorrow, I'll leave. And I turned and I answered that phone and knew that it wasn't God. Now see, most people say, but see there, God answered my prayer immediately. I knew that that was not right. Now isn't that amazing how God will show you that? Crying is, listen, you know, when, when, when you just, when, when you feel 
down and out and you, you just want pity. That's crying on the devil's shoulder. And that's all I was doing. Just man up, man. Take it, take it on the chin every now and again. And I'm glad I stuck it out now. Had that little handful of 31 people now grow to that big ministry that God has given us because of the will of God. Staying in the will of God. I don't want to drag my family out of the will of God. Now, I want you to look at Chilean, if you would, please. Circle the word Chilean. It means consumptive. He had a germ disease that was killing him. Probably COVID-19 or 20 or something <laughs> or another. But he did. He had a germ that was killing him. You study it out and see it. Of course, names meant something in the Bible. And no doubt, uh, these sons' names revealed the direction of their backslidden parents. I want you to look at Orpah, if you would please, Orpah and Ruth. They were both Gentiles. It means, Orpah means the back of the neck and uh, the portion of the neck and the back. That's what Orpah means. So you know the story when Naomi left Moab to return to Bethlehem, Judah, after her husband and sons died, she tried to get the daughter-in-law, Oprah and, and, um, and Ruth, to return back to Moab to their homeland, but they refused. Look at verse 10, if you would please. And they said unto her, Surely we will return with thee unto thy people. Well, that would not be good to go into Jew. The man that took me to the airport, came out of the airport yesterday, um, is one of our graduates, and, and he's really working in Israel. He, he believes that he's Jew for some reason, but uh, his name is Isaac Rodriguez. I'm not quite sure how that works out. But anyway, you have to take that up with God. I don't know. He has a beard like a Jew. He's going to Israel all the time. He's doing so. Am I right, Jack? He just, so whatever, man. I, I text him this morning, Shalom. <laughs> but, uh, but he was telling me about a, a guy that went in, a, a, a Jew that got saved, and he tried to get back in Israel. And the, the rabbis will not let you in unless you're Jew and, and uh, Jewish. And, but he got saved. And, and when he tried to get the rabbi to let him in and buy some land and a house. Rabbi just stared at him and said, you ain't one of us. And the guy looked at him and goes, um, you're right, I believe in Yeshua the Messiah. And Rabbi just stared at him. So they won't, they won't let you in if you do that. And he says, bring, uh, bring your, your father's papers and all. And he said, the land belongs to your father, and so it belongs to you. And he let him in. Are y'all with me? I just told you that little story, and I just heard it yesterday just to show you here. The girls didn't want to go back to Bethlehem. They had no future there. Nobody would marry them. So that's why Naomi didn't want them to go back. So I want you to see it in verse 12, 13. Naomi tried to, again, to persuade them to go back. And uh, one of the reasons, they just would have no, no husbands. Do you see it in verse 12 and 13? Do you see that? Notice verse 14, Orpah kissed and left Ruth, uh, or excuse me, Orpah kissed and, and, and left uh, Naomi, but Ruth clave, the Bible says. They lifted up their voice and wept, the Bible says again. So we see that when she left, look at me again, the, the, the word means, her name means part of the neck and the back. So she was turning away, going back to her heathen country. And so... Ruth, the Bible says, clave unto her. So Orpah turned her back and went to Bethlehem, from on, on Bethlehem, Judah, the house of bread, the house of blessing, and returned to worship idols in Moab. Look at the, look at the name Ruth, if you would, please. Name Ruth. This is Sunday school, so I'm just trying to teach you a little Bible here. Look at Ruth. It means Gentile, of course. It means satisfied. 
She didn't find satisfaction in anything. Think about this for a minute. She didn't find satisfaction in anything except Boaz, whom she married. Many of you know the story, the spiritual implication. Um, but you must understand that nothing will ever be satisfied in your life outside of Jesus Christ. Amen. He satisfies all of our longing. All of those years of sin that I was mixed up in. I ended up in that independent, fundamental, temperamental Baptist church and heard the gospel for the first time in my life. I got saved. Amen. And I got satisfied. Amen. My old cronies, I went back to see them on Monday. I got saved on Sunday. Went back to see them, my old cronies I ran with on Monday. I didn't know what to tell them. I didn't, you know, I couldn't tell them. I didn't know how to show them scripture, how to be saved. I just knew I got saved and I told them how I got saved and they began to laugh at me. They knew what I was before. Now, they would never laugh at me before. They knew better. But now that I'm saved, I'm truly saved, I couldn't do anything about them laughing at me. So they laughed at me. And that was okay with me because I was satisfied. Jesus will satisfy you. And Boaz is a picture of Jesus. Some try it all, but Jesus satisfies the thirsty soul. Write these scriptures down. I'll read them to you. You can look at them when you get home. Uh, Psalms 91, 16, the Bible says, With long life I will satisfy him. I will show him my salvation. Psalm 17, 15, David said, I shall be satisfied when I wake in his likeness. And in 1 John 3, 2, it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when uh, he shall appear... We shall be like him. He satisfies, my friend. So Ruth, as she followed Naomi back to Bethlehem, Judah, thinking, forget, forget the husband, forget all that. You're my mother-in-law, and I love you, and I trust you, and I'm going to cleave unto you. And when she went back, who would ever think that Boaz, the man who owns the field, would see her and said, took favor with her? And then eventually ended up marrying her. Think about that. What an amazing story. How Boaz, a type of Jesus, would marry this woman. Now, I want you to circle the word Boaz, please. It means, it means in him is strength. He shall establish a church much stronger than the tabernacle of Solomon built. And uh, the, the Bible says, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against the local New Testament church. Yes. So in him is strength. This church is made up of the Gentile believers called the body of Christ. And so we see his name points to the descendants of David and Jesus. Now I want you to look at it, please. And I've got to wrap it up right now because of time. I want you to count, if you would, please, the, the books of the Bible. And you'll see that Judges is the seventh book of the Bible. Seven is God's number of perfection. In other words, when God is through with us, he's taking us out of here. When the last person is that makes up the bride of Christ, we're getting out of here. And so we see that it's the seventh book of the Bible. Seven is God's number of perfection. Eight is a number of, seven is number of completion and, and perfection. And eight is the number of new beginnings. And that's the rapture. That's when, listen carefully now, that's when a Jewish Jesus is going to marry a Gentile bride, the church. And that's what the picture that we have here 
in the scriptures. It's a wonderful thing that the Bible is laid out in such a way, not just haphazardly, but God has put it in order that we might understand it. If just with a little digging, a little study, you'll see that. And how wonderful it is that Boaz married Ruth, that Jew boy, that rich Jew boy with that Gentile, that poor Gentile, and that's what we are, just poor Gentiles. And Jesus and his Gentile bride will be united. One day I was reading about it uh, even yesterday in the devotion. So we understand that all of that will take place. And I believe we're at the very verge of that. And so let me encourage you today to, to understand that all that we have going on in our midst, if you're not careful, you're going to forget who allowed all this to happen. And if you think God is not on his throne, you need to see me after service, man. We can help you with some things. It's no oh, oh with God. It's not. Has it ever occurred to you that nothing ever occurred to God? Do you understand? He's still on the throne. He knows everything is going on. He'll allow something in our life to straighten us out. Have you ever thought about maybe God allowed this stuff to happen to wake up a sleeping church? We're so apathetic. We think everything's okay as long as it's, you know, we got food in the pantry and we got a few dollars in the bank. What God wants revival. This nation needs revival more than anything in this world. So could it be that God has us in this that we may stop to see him just a little bit and get back to understand, please listen, I'm through, I've got to quit. Could we be, be standing at the very threshold of the second coming of Christ? Everybody in this room is a fundamental, independent, Bible-believing Baptist, believe in the imminent return of Christ. We thought that he was coming back at, as soon as we got saved. But he is coming, and he's not coming on our calendar. And that's the problem. We're so American, and we so want it now. We think that he needs it. He's, he's, God will do what he wants to do when he wants to do it. But I can tell you this, my friend. Things that I see across the world, not America. We think we're so small as America, and we think if America is having a little problem, Jesus has got to be coming again. His eyes on Israel. So you keep your eyes on Jerusalem and on Israel. You get a pretty good take. But then the world, as the world sets up for the Antichrist, that's what you need to watch too. And I believe personally that what's happened in these last few days has been a ter perfect, total, absolute, 100% setup. We have been testing. They're testing the waters. The Antichrist knows how to do that. Knows how to get us to roll over. Knows how to condition us. Knows us, get us how to bow down. Now, you don't have to agree with me. I didn't come for you to agree. I come to preach the word to you. But when you're out in the middle of nowhere, nowhere, and you're by yourself, you don't need a mask. <laughs> We've lost it, man. America's lost. Folks, listen. When they say line up, take the mark of the beast, yes, sir. I mean, it's crazy. It's total control. It's total manipulation. I got that. If you don't, you ought to get it. It'll help you. Thank you for listening to our audio preaching podcast. For more information about our ministries, or if you would like to get in contact with us, please visit our website at heritagebaptistcctx.org. May God bless you as you go forward with the gospel this week.